Welcome back to State of My Art Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Liorti. Thanks for joining me for episode 33. This episode took me a really long time to put together. It's sort of become a documentary on a very talented artist, Sean Terrell. It contains multiple interviews, performances, and a tour of Sean's art gallery. So I highly recommend you check this one out on YouTube. And if you haven't already, please be sure to click like and subscribe. This is Sean Terrell. He recently became homeless a couple of months into the pandemic, so he built a three-story treehouse slash art gallery on the border of Venice and Marina del Rey in Los Angeles using no power tools. He grows his own weed, gets water from the local drinking fountain, and gets by on food stamps and the odd painting sale. I found out about Sean through this extremely talented photographer, Alon Goldsmith. He presented this book, in Place, Portraits of a Pandemic on an Artists United to End Homelessness event over Zoom. And Sean was a highlight in the presentation and the book itself. I'll let the interviews tell the rest of the story. My conversation with Sean Terrell took place April 20th, 2021 in his infamous treehouse. And my Zoom call with Alon Goldsmith was recorded on April 22nd. All right, let's jump into it. Thanks for joining me here on kind of the state of my art podcast. This is kind of turning into a mini documentary on our friend Sean Terrell, which I found out about through you and Artists United to End Homelessness. You put together a really awesome book um, capturing the pandemic and homelessness in the pandemic. What is that book called again? It's called In Place, Portraits of a Pandemic. In Place, Portraits of a Pandemic. I'll put the link in the description to that book as well. Very powerful and beautiful photos um, and very inspiring. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you for doing that. And yeah, I've been up and down the the Metro link. So I figured I would uh, take the opportunity to link up with Sean. You gave him a phone, yeah. so I was able to reach him. And, um, yeah, he invited me to his place to do the podcast. All right, Sean Terrell, we're really doing it. Welcome to the State of My Art podcast. Uh, well, thank you for having me. I should say thank you for having me at your wonderful place here. In what, what part of L.A. is this? this Venice, is, basically? This is right on the border of Marina del Rey and Venice. Yes, cool. we're right on the line. Nice. On the, the earthquake fault. <laughs> and you've built this wonderful three-story treehouse over yes. the pandemic. Yes, yeah. over the last 10 months. That's awesome. You got all your art up in here. You yes. created a lot of art here. Uh, actually, you know, most of the art I've created here, actually the only one, I've, I've only made two paintings. The one on the front of the building, okay. which is, that one took like a month because it's like 13 by 9. Yeah. And this one. Nice. Which had begun prior to this when I became homeless, but finished while I was here. And other than that, I've worked entirely on the building and my music because nice. uh, painting supplies are expensive. And so you just kind of have to do what's cheapest, I guess. So which, where did you make all these other ones? Uh, in my apartment. I had, you know, in the past uh, two years, two and a half years, that's when I started when you were painting. living up in... In Washington, in Washington. In Mount Vernon, yeah. 
Nice. I had some that were incomplete that I that I had painted ten years prior to that, and those kind of got picked up and finished when I started again uh, two years ago. But these are, yeah, these are all in recently before I became homeless, but right before that. And you've been selling them out of here too, right? Yes. Uh, that I've every painting I've sold, I've sold here. Nice. And I've done very well. I have. Yeah. Uh, I mean. I've sold four paintings, one for a thousand, and the rest were for five hundred each. Wow! So I've done very well. I mean, that would be if I'd put them in a gallery. That would each one of those the five hundred ones would probably have to sell for over a thousand for right. me to make five hundred from it. Oh wow! Because a gallery it takes such a big cut. It's so off. Some of them is like forty. Some of it's like sixty. You know, so 50% of yeah. what the person pays for it. So, well, yeah. there's a lot of cool stuff in here. If you're looking to unload some more, maybe we can throw oh, it be, up on the, on the podcast. Great. Yes, I on Instagram. Have, I have my website, SeanCecilTorrell.com, and that's got all my art that I made prior to becoming homeless um, on it. Uh, and some of those have sold, but some of them, and can people buy them directly off the website? No, no, no. Okay. So they can look at them, but then I prefer to meet the people I sell sure. my art to anyways. You know, I looked into selling prints of my art, but it's just, I paint with a lot of thick, heavy texture and it's very difficult to photograph. Let alone ship. And ship, yeah. you know, glossy, thick texture paintings, you know, that's that there's always some light reflecting, mm-hmm. you know, when it's glossy and there's, you know, I mean, you can see the thick, uh, brush marks and knife marks that I leave. And, and that just doesn't translate well to posters unless you spend a lot of money and get people who really know their stuff to do them. So. Gotcha. Well, I'm not surprised. It's good art, and you've kind of become a little bit of a buzz around town. I hope, yeah. That, I mean, that was my goal. <laughs> yeah, I found out about you through uh, this organization that I perform for sometimes. It's called Artists United to End Homelessness. Shout out to them. Um, and they've just been doing Zoom concerts, essentially. People can log on on Zoom. And, okay. Uh, watch the performers and um, there was a photographer that was on Alan who uh, made a photography book of all the homelessness in LA through the pandemic and some of the innovations that people have created and some of the art that people have created um, you know in the middle of the streets and uh, you were a really big highlight in his book and I was really impressed and am even more impressed now that I'm here and, and how you were able to just create this from like scrap lumber <laughs> I mean I I really respect it too because I kind of have a little bit of a background in living out of my van and uh, being on the road and being on the warp tour it uh it's kind of really respected in that world because you're, you know, grinding it out to make it work on what little money you're making for your art. It's kind of like a punk rock thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which I, and I loved it. And it's, it's funny that like in one world it's respected. And then in the world that 
you're in in the middle of LA it's uh, well some I mean we saw a couple of people ride by on skateboards saying how awesome this place is so yeah yes. you do get some respect but you also That's get a lot of haters you get the news twisting the story far more haters than <laughs> yeah. far more haters than the people that say that I mean that really makes my day when someone drives by and says yeah good job because there's like 10 other people that give me dirty looks throw stuff at my art uh, just you know they don't even respond to me if I say hi you know I mean uh, I'm, eh, there's people that just think I'm like dirt and a criminal <laughs> see these plants uh, this is a eucalyptus flowering plant every time I get a flower someone from the neighborhood comes and snips the flower off oh and oh yeah three nights ago there was a guy just peeing on that painting right there jeez just walked up and peed on it this is something one of my friendly neighbors did. I had an explosive thrown at me one night. And they still do little things like this, like this. Someone did that, you know, just pick, pick that off. It, they won't be able to do that when it's finished, but you know, I have to get, I mean, the paint that I used to do this is not cheap. I'll probably have to spend like 40 bucks to finish the red. This situation becoming homeless has been good for me as an artist. I mean, it's been emotionally draining incredibly emotionally draining but I mean I've been able to do so much that I never would have been able to do had I, has I, had I been paying rent <laughs> on, and maintaining that lifestyle yeah. in an apartment with car insurance da 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 all the bills you know that you have to work you know we become a slave to money then we die like that bittersweet symphony song that's right we do yes and, and now I'm in a situation where I don't go hungry and I live off $200 for, in food stamps and $200 in general relief money. Nice. And I use a lot of that money on this building, mm -hmm. uh, you know, on my phone, you know. So it's I manage to get a lot out of very little. And yeah. I've learned how to do that through this experience, you know. So And you make it work. And that's yeah. kind of what I was getting at is I miss that grind when I was... You know, luckily I had a gym membership so I could go shower in the gym. Yeah. But I missed the grind of like, all right, how, you know, I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight, but yeah. I got my music and I have all the time in my day to focus on that or focus on my show. And in 2019, I finally said, screw it. I'm moving down to San Diego where I love to be, where everything mm -hmm. seems to be working out for me. And yeah. I actually have a following and... I was living at Mission Bay in my van and trailer, and I was probably the happiest I've been in my life. Yeah. Just living with nature and my guitar, and then I ended up renting a rehearsal room, and it was like, all right, I got to you know pay 200 a month, which is nothing, sharing it with a Metallica cover band. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that you know worked for three and a half months until I got kicked out, but. Like I always tell everyone, like that was the best year of my life because I just said, I, I'm not going to worry about making money. I'm not going to be yeah. worried. And, and funny enough, opportunities just kept falling in my lap because I had that free time. Yeah. I ended up doing sound at venues. I ended up working for a company that um, so basically handles the merch for a bunch of big record companies and had a free rehearsal room there out of it. And yeah. just, you know... 
I, I really hope you fall into some good luck out of your uh, hard I, work here. <laughs> I gotta believe that I will. I, I do believe I will. I mean, I'm getting attention. I mean, if you, uh, the, I'm on the news, yeah, it was a dirtbag, you know, hit story, but... All, all, uh, all. Uh, what do they? Cut? What's the saying? All media is good media, or all. You know, yeah, you're gonna all get news is, is bad news, good news. No, I can't remember. But. As as much as the haters are trying to exploit you, you're gonna get a lot of people like myself who support right. the people who are trying to make it work. Yes, to yes. expose the good side of you, which you yeah. didn't you t- tell the viewers what you went through with the news and how they didn't even give you. Uh, they didn't even give you an interview. You're, That's right. Technically, yeah. you weren't even on the news. Yes, they didn't ask permission to fill my structure, which they called a hut. And they interviewed a man who I threatened to get a, a restraining order and got the paperwork, started filling it out and everything. Then he just kind of backed off and I didn't bother filing it and paying the money and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but there he is calling the news making up a bunch of stuff about me and they don't even bother to ask me a question or, you know, take a picture of the inside of the building. The When I saw the broadcast, someone told me about it a week later. Uh, I didn't even know I'd been on the news. Um, uh, I, I watched the video and I'm like, these jerks, what, 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 what's going on here, you know? The homeless situation throughout Venice is horrible. And Gene Seacrest says this two-story hut is another example of it. And it's an insult to everybody who pays taxes and does the right thing for him to be allowed to be there the way he is. The man neighbors call Sean built this shack near the corner of Thatcher and Princeton in Marina del Rey near the Venice line over a year ago. He recently added a second story just a few feet from a power line. He's got uh, a big screen TV in there. He's got a stove in there. He's a propane tank. Okay. He runs power out of his car in there. And if he catches on fire, look, he's under the trees. He's under the power lines. He's across from two major apartment units. Uh, that tank explodes. Who knows going to be walking by here that's going to get hurt? Segrist and others have been complaining for months to different city departments to take it down, but... It's the same old round and round, you know. What has the councilman's office told you? Nothing. They will not return phone calls. We called Building and Safety, and they referred us to DPW. The structure butts up against property labeled city-owned and was once a maintenance yard. Councilman Mike Bonin's office told KTLA it's aware of the structure and is working to find a place for the man to live. The neighborhood is very divided over. Our whole neighborhood is, I think, mostly they would like to see them gone, but... I want to see them with some a roof over their heads. We've done what we can, and there's sort of this, this nobody understands what the answer is. There's a homeless situation. This street was a much larger encampment, but was cleared out after a fire, and the neighbors planted a garden. Some say this is a case of not in my backyard, but Segrist says... The people throughout Venice now are starting to stick up for their neighborhood. Enough's enough. We tried to speak to the man living here. We knocked. He waved to us from a second floor window and then left. The neighbors that we spoke to today say the city has the money and the power to find a solution to help the homeless find a safe place to live while balancing the needs of these neighborhoods. This property, by the way, abutting this uh, structure, the Thatcher Yard project, is slated for an affordable housing project come this fall. And Sharon Micah, uh, we are still waiting a callback uh, from the DW, D- the DPW and Street. And they said that they asked you for an interview they and you said, denied, yes, They said that true. I declined an interview. And I was like, <laughs> why would I do that? I'm an artist trying to, you know, make art that, you know, people want to see and I want it to get exposure. Why mm-hmm. would I say, no, no, no. 
Don't don't interview me, news channel. Nope. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you got to watch out for those news people. Yeah. When they say at the end, we asked for an interview and he declined. They're, they're incredible, <laughs> incredible investigative journalists over at uh, KTLA, I guess. Yes, because uh, yeah. that's the channel it was. And I, I did email them uh, and they never responded. You know, hey, you didn't interview me and you made up stuff about me. Mm. Oh, well, you're homeless. I guess that's their response. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, something that I'm learning a lot about through Artists United. They uh, are basically basically educating people and be- educating artists like myself on what the homeless community goes through and how they're not really even treated like people. Um, yes, yeah. Just because you know they're living off the grid essentially. Yeah. Or because there's no people, pay phones anymore. Yeah, it's, and if you lose that phone, but are they going to call a missing person report on you? Because right, there's no right. way to reach a person without a cell phone now. You know. Yeah, and especially here in LA, it's gotten so crazy with tents spread across all the bridges. Yeah, um, and obviously it's because cost of living is so high here. Um, so for a lot of people, it's just like, like yourself, it just makes more sense to go this route and yeah, not the tent route. Now I, I, right. I, I've only been homeless 10 months and I do have, you know, I see a lot of those tents and I'm like, those people, they're choosing to live like that, you know, with uh, huts made out of cardboard boxes and rotten couches, you know, look at me, you know. They have more money than I do because I see them riding $3,000 electric bicycles all over the place and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. the ones that live in these tents and, and they were used to be here, uh, but they left because of harassment from the neighborhood. And some of them were paid money, uh, but some of them are just they just they won't make their self situation better. And now now do they they have the knowledge probably not mm-hmm. that's what the city's not doing right mm-hmm. you know teach them how to teach them how to build a, a safe structure that they would be feel proud of rather than move them from tent and then spray them with a fire hose so they go make their tent somewhere else and then chase them away from there and then and over and over it just becomes too hard of a fight anymore when it becomes like that yeah. I mean, if the city tears this down, what am I going to do? I'm just going to say, fuck it. I'm going to do what Samuel Jackson said to do in Pulp Fiction. I'm just going to walk the earth with my guitar. <laughs> if yeah. that's what the world is going to do to me, you know, I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to put my guitar on and I'll walk around and play guitar. And that's how I'll feed myself. And, you know, maybe I'll buy a little tiny tent, you know, for when it rains or whatever. But <clears throat> I'm not going to set up. Initially, I was surprised when I saw it that he was able to have this building for so long. Yeah, I don't know how he managed to maintain that for so long. Yeah. There was a lot stacked against him. Right. And I asked him, like, do you think you would have been able to get away with this for so long had there not been a pandemic and sort of a defund the police movement? And there was just sort of this anyone can get away with anything for a few months, which was kind of beautiful. And, and your book kind of showed that too, is like, we're in chaos, but it's beautiful. And these people who have not had the easiest lives are struggling now, but also are in this place of, um, 
I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain what yeah, I'm saying. I don't know exactly <laughs> what you mean. There's, there's sort of been a, a kind of um, the, the normal rules don't don't seem to apply because because of what's happening and uh, you know there, there's a situation where you can uh, I say take advantage, but that's not really what I mean. But you you, you can kind of play again. You can you can play the system a little bit more than you normally can. And it, it, it kind of comes across in, in so many different ways, you know, like, uh, you know, it's as simple as, you know, cyclists are breaking the laws of the road more than they used to and getting away with it, you know, crossing at red lights and stuff like that. Um, it's just like, it's like a minimal breakdown of, of uh, over sites and things like that right both the the corporate world and the the complete opposite side the homeless world were kind of um seeing how far they could push the boundary so i kind of got that vibe from sean at first as he welcomed me into his home i was like wait a second this is like you are not only pivoting and adapting like a lot of people are in the business world, but you are full on getting away with ownership of a five fifty million dollar property here. <laughs> and, and, and he completely believes um, that he's done it one hundred percent legally. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what the story is there, but you know he maintains that. He is a legal squatter on that land. Yeah, he, he went as far as to tell me that he has more rights as a squatter. He has more squatter rights than a lot of people do with their rental rights and their rental yeah. properties, You're right, right. which is kind of true. And I think a lot of the hate that was coming from the people on that street was like, hey, you're not even paying for this and you're allowed to do whatever you want. Um, to a certain extent, I mean, obviously he's allowed to have, you know, a pet or he's allowed to grow weed on his balcony. Uh, and that's, that's nothing compared to the fact that he's not allowed to squat on that property and, and build a structure on that property. Um, but nothing in that structure had to be to code was, yeah, was, was I mean, one of his you points. Know, you want to change a faucet in your bathroom, you've got to like get a permit, you know? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, he's built this, this entire structure. It's, it's pretty amazing. Do you think they're going to tear this place down? I, very possibly. I mean, uh, th this, there's a very powerful property developer that wants to build a who knows a hundred million dollar building on that piece on this piece of property that I'm claiming to be a squatter. And I so, see. And so, uh, and they don't want to do the proper legal channels of dealing with me as a squatter. They want to tear this down like it's a tent with some trash on the ground, you know. And it's obviously not. I mean, uh, I designed homes. I know structurally how to build things and. This thing could survive an earthquake probably better than that apartment building across the street. I love that. I mean, so, uh, <laughs> but so they want to treat it like that, but yeah, it's not that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and will I, they? Maybe. I'm not familiar with the squatters' rights, but uh, what would they have to do? Uh, 
Well, they and they would have to take me to court and say he has not acquired squatters' rights, and there therefore it gives us the right to take his building down. But you have. I believe I have. I've met all the criteria. No, I was homeless. I found a vacant piece of property that is not park space, owned by the city, and it's zoned for housing and business. Um, I built a structure, and I'm the only structure on the entire piece of property. Uh, and uh, I let everybody know that's exactly what I was doing as soon as I started doing it. Mm-hmm. And nobody from the city said, stop, stop. Okay, you're gone, buddy. (laughs) No, they just ignored me. And here I am. I've spent, you know, (laughs) a shit ton of time and mental, you know, design time. Sure. And and what little money I do have. I mean, could I have my, uh, you know, guitar amplifiers and music gear that I used to have? Yes, I would have that stuff. Still, I sold that stuff so I could build this and keep myself safe mm-hmm. because, you know, there were somebody, I believe, hired three dudes to come and try to kill me one morning. Yes. Oh, you were here? Yes. Three. Oh, I didn't know you were here for that. Y- y- no, no. Yes. Three men uh, got out of a like a rental um, Range Rover uh, seven in the morning. I was in my pajamas Hey, come out here. You know, I this it was nowhere near built like this. There was no yeah. no floor here. There wasn't even a roof. It was You're just on the first story. I was just sleeping on the ground at that time. Well, actually I'd built kind of like a little almost like a deck platform thing that I was sleeping on and did my cooking and I just draped a cloth over if it rained. But uh but they I just, I came out there and they just they one like a if you've ever seen like the Crips, uh, they approached me like the Crips, uh, one on just like that. The guy on the left tried to sucker punch me. He did sucker punch me, but he I moved just fast enough that it just left a scratch, which healed very quickly. But uh, and they, the other guy, the center guy, bull rushed me, mm-hmm. pushed me through my door, and beat me for like thirty seconds. One guy on the head, one guy on the body. The other guy was getting my feet. Luckily, I was just able to fight back enough that they left me. And their people in the apartment saw it and called the police. The police took probably like 45 minutes to get here, like to respond to that. I mean, these guys were trying to carry me out. When was this? This was last October or September. Okay. So it's been a while. And um, the police... Well, the fire department came, and I declined to go to the hospital. I I felt like I was okay not to go to the hospital, and I didn't have health insurance at the time, and I was like, "Eh, I just don't want to deal with it. And then finally the police officer came after they'd left. Wow. (laughs) And he treated me like I was a criminal, like the officer was rude to me. Right. And and so were the fire department guys. They were rude to me. Yeah. And, um, but... That officer did not interview any witnesses, even though they were right there and speaking. Like, I was like, hey, do you sick? He's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, I inter-. they never interviewed him. And they said, every time I've asked the police about it since then, oh, it's still under investigation. Oh, really? What about the people you should have interviewed? Well, now they don't even live here anymore. Yeah. It doesn't even matter that three men tried to murder me. 
Why is that? Because it's easier to just kill a homeless person, make them disappear, tear shit down, and then build the $100 million building than it is to take me to court (laughs) and get me off the property the proper way. That's why. And so I I actually do believe people in the city uh, are willing to, you know, hire some thugs to do that kind of thing to a squatter. They do that in squatter situations. It's kind of dangerous to be a squatter because you are... Uh, they call it uh, adverse, no, uh, aggressive. Uh, it's kind of like you're just capturing a piece of property that's no one, no one's using. Yeah. And so, but they can fight back. <laughs> wow, dude! I didn't... sometimes it can be okay, but not and they stole a... some stuff too. Those guys did not steal anything. They okay. beat me and then walked off. That's it. Wow. They didn't care about anything. It was just a, it was just, they were just there to beat the shit out of me for nothing. One guy was just beating the back of my head. It was like a golf ball when they were done. It was just like, you know, I was like, damn. Uh, and the other guy would just beat me in the back. Cause I was, I held myself just so close to the, the guy who was on my head. Yeah. He was just punching my back and the other guy grabbing my legs. He ripped my pants off too. So I was half naked and, uh, he was trying to beat my feet. Uh, so, but he never was able to get a hold of my feet because, and I landed some good kicks on him. So they, I believe my, that the, the reason they did leave is because probably the guy punching my head had a broken hand because he was punching the back of my head the whole time. And the other guy who was punching my back, I landed a good kick on his uh, arm and I pro- probably hard enough to break his arm. So I think that's why they left. Wow, so, and and the, I mean, they didn't take anything. Not a thing. They, they seems... weren't there to steal anything. They were just there to beat me. Yeah. It was, a, it was an ambush. No 
faults of mine worth looking away from He's all thumbs Forever you'll be a bum So strange He's so very strange So strange they say And they say Of course they say that I'm They say that I'm creative Creative Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, that's kind of breaking and entering, you know. The door was locked. Yeah. See, this is what I'm talking about. How do you get in? Yeah. He broke through the door. I don't know. I locked the door. I don't know. Well, okay. No, you're not welcome. Okay, stay out. Thanks. Yep. Have a good day. I'm I'm in the middle of an interview. Thanks. I just got an interview. He took me several of you to me. I told you I, we would be harassed at some point. And then people have been stealing from you when you're not here. Uh, that well, yes, my bicycle. Actually, my bicycle is the only thing of big value that's been stolen here. There was a piece of my TV sculpture that was stolen off of that when I had it displayed on, on the front, on the outside of the building. Oh, okay. It's carpeted out there. So I used to display my art on the outside of the building when people were walking by. And I did manage to sell a few that way, but oh. uh, 
I got so much harassment that I just didn't think it was worth the risk. So everything got pulled inside uh, and not for display. Um, and uh, but yeah, they they were there to kill me. Wow. Yes. They, the, the, they know the car was rented because the officers, I said, that's the car they came in. And he's like, did you actually see him get out of the car? And I was like, well, I didn't, but I know they did because they were like five feet away from it and walking away with it from it when I heard the door shut. Right. And so I know that's the one they came in. They didn't, they didn't even look into it. They, they, they know it was a rental car and that's it. Yeah. They didn't look into who rented it or anything. Yeah. Last week, there was a guy who tried to beat me up at like two in the morning. You know. Like uh, at here? Here, yes. Jeez. I was in, uh, I was asleep, woke me up, yelled. I went down there and they started filming me. And I said, listen, get the fuck out of here. Leave me alone. I'm asleep. I'm, I was half naked, too. I went out there half naked because I know it kind of trips them out. Like, if people, if someone <laughs> comes at you half naked, they're like, I don't want to fight this guy. So that's part of my, uh, my strategy. If you wake me up at 2 in the morning and I'm half naked, well, here you are. Come on, take me, you know. So those guys, they, they left. And they haven't been back to harass me. But I called the police on them, you know. And there's never any follow-up. All the yeah. times I've had people uh two days ago someone threw a glass bottle at my painting on this uh on the the one out there yeah on the front of the building yeah uh i threw a, a piece of plywood at their car and i i landed a good hit that probably caused a little damage but they just sped off you know it's so dumb man yeah people... so it's like neighborhood gang violence has made me their hit target or something right <laughs> right but, you know, I just give it back, you know, hey, this is all I got, you yeah. know, it's kind of like a situation where you have the hill to die on situation, Yeah. you know, in this, I don't want to sleep on a park bench and my car, I don't want to sleep in it either. Right. Because <laughs> I turned it into a pickup truck. It's not any, it's not comfortable to sleep in. Yeah. And it powers this place. So explain yeah. how you ended up here because you said you went to Nashville right before mm -hmm. the pandemic right yes well that was right before the pandemic I was like I'm ready to record and start performing live uh, I've got my songs da 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 I flew to Nashville with my suitcase looking to buy a place and start performing I played one open mic I met some nice people um, and everything shut down that was it it was like Two day, the next day this when I got like there. in March 2020 yes yes back in March and then I kept hoping things would open back up so I flew back and forth two more times to Nashville that I just couldn't get real estate agents to sh show me property or anything hmm. and so I just uh, decided to go to California I was like you know I like the weather there and I want to do acting too oh okay so you know I'll do that and then, of course, I, I get here. It's a ghost town. It's a ghost town. You can't <laughs> sign up even to do acting. They, they won't let you even sign up. Really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like central casting. Nope. nope. Well, I think they do now, but I haven't done it mm -hmm. yet. But uh, no venues to play music. Busking, what's the point? There's like three people out in the street, you know, and they kind of are too busy playing with their phone, you know. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> just kind of staying at home right now, the few people who are left here. Yeah. Since I became homeless, I've not been able to put 
the effort I was when I began, you know, because, you know, I'm, I got to survive. I got to I got to make money somehow to keep food and build, you know, so I'm safe. Um, my car, gas, electricity when it's dark, you know, uh, things to cook with. Yeah. Prop- propane is it's incredible how expensive propane here is lost in Los Angeles. Yeah, we have all this these oil wells and the gas they they, right. they they get here, but it's like four times more expensive than it is in Washington State to get a propane tank that would do a barbecue. Wow! And so you know, it's it's that stuff like that that probably because of it just homelessness. You, Probably because maybe that's what it is. They're probably thinking um, people are going to have grills all over the street if propane they, is they affordable. Do. I mean, they're, <laughs> yeah, they, they do, do already. Anyway. They've got these sidewalk meat businesses all over the place. You True. know, selling the the big hunk of dead animal. They're just carving off with an right. axe, you know, on the street. Right. I'm just saying, maybe they're trying to like oh, limit that, reduce it by upping the price. I don't know why that would. <laughs> why would they want that? Is safe. It's. I mean, if yeah. if you, it's a not much that can go wrong with it unless someone like shoots it or something I guess but yeah or maybe there's just some crazy tax on propane here uh, probably like gas it's, yeah there probably is but even like gas is not much more than Washington State Washington State no Washington is just as a, I, I was really excited to move to Nashville because I couldn't like here I could not afford to live in Washington State yeah yeah even in Mount Vernon uh, an hour and 20 minutes north of Seattle there's parts of LA that are just as the same price. Yep. It's that expensive. And Nashville was very reasonable, but I was like, eh, I'm just going to I'm just going to I'm going to be on tour or something anyways once this covid blows over and yeah. so why get settled someplace? I'll go to LA and it threw a big wrench in a lot of people's gears. Yes, and, that's for sure. But I also think that like every everyone's sort of finding their their new path and I think so too. looking at it as like a or at least a lot of people I've been talking to have been looking at it as sort of like um, a relief from the slave to money like we were talking mm-hmm. about and um, you know who knows maybe you would have gotten to Nashville and got sucked up by doing a job that took you away uh, from creating art or something you never true, know true very true yes no it, it has been it's not how I would have wanted things to go, but I can look at what I've accomplished and say, I've accomplished more in this 10 months of being homeless as far as growth and knowledge of understanding how to do things and uh, uh, figuring out new ways to paint, uh, um, building this. Yeah. Uh, and my music, just having time to just make music, you know. Yeah, and, uh, and not that that job somewhere you know right and like you'll find as you start to record music and start to try and put it out that the story is so much more important than the music and that's what we're always told as songwriters you know the first Mm -hmm. the most important thing is the song and and everything is after that but no one's even going to find out about that great song if you don't have a great story and like to me, this is a great story. When people are riding by on skateboards saying, that house, this house is awesome. Like, you know, we respect this. Yeah. Um, and with the way that woke culture is moving to, you know, realize that, hey, wait, it's not fair that 
the homeless community is getting their asses kicked by thugs who were probably hired by yeah. the government. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think that it's not even fair to the people who live in those three million dollar homes around the corner. You know why? Mm-hmm. Are, why is that house three million dollars? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's for sure. In, ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. You could build. I mean that we have all these building codes, and they're there for a reason. But the reason partially is to make people build things in expensive ways yeah. and unnecessary ways. Right, yeah, you that's can true build too. <laughs> something like this. I mean, for $10,000, this thing would be waterproof and it would be like a mansion. Uh, how. Uh, how nice it would be. Not and there'd be that. trees inside and, and plants growing in it and all this other stuff. You know, we could live differently. 150 years ago, this would be a king's castle. Exactly, yes. <laughs> yes, this is... And actually, that's kind of part of my long-term goal is this to be actually a castle, is a terrarium castle. That's my goal. Is So it's trees and birds living in it as well. Like a terrarium, like a yeah. you know, like creatures would live in. Well, I'll live in it too, and my food will grow in it uh, as much as I can. And I've started that process. I mean, I've got my sunflowers and my arugula growing, and I've got a bunch of stuff I'm going to plant in the next couple of days. But and you've got great art, and that, and like that's yes, kind yes. of my point is I think that your story is turning this place into sort of a art museum. In my eyes, yes. that's what this yeah. place is. Uh-huh. This is as organic as it gets mm-hmm. for someone who just has a lot of time on their hands from this pandemic yeah, and a lot of creative uh, knowledge and skills coming together to create, you know, a museum. You never know what something, um, what could become of some things like yes. some of our favorite pieces of art trail back to a story that, could have easily been the kid getting rocks thrown at him, for instance. Yes. So I think that you and it's know, not just my drive to be an artist. No, I've you, I've th- my drive to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what's beautiful about better, it. <laughs> I chose to believe in myself as an artist to do that rather than I'll go get a job at Walmart. I did that right after I got divorced for like a month, and I was like, I can't do this. This is. This is awful. I'm an artist. I'm just gonna go for it. Kills your soul, man. Yeah. Even it, when oh, I was even I, when I was working customer service at that warehouse that ships merch. Uh huh. I was just like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. I mean, it's awesome. Everything you're giving me, I appreciate. Yeah. And the I'm, money is nice. Yeah. yeah so it I'm gets gonna go at it. Like, like I, I'm going at it with a positive mindset, and it's it's doing me great things. But I also think that as soon as the pandemic hit, I was like good because I kind of need a break from this I need to go back to focusing yeah. on my music I need to start this podcast I need to do all these things that I want to do so yeah um I think that this is causing you to dream yes and the pushback is only going to make you stronger yeah <laughs> and yeah. it's only going to make your story flourish more because it's not just going to be the guy who got away with everything he wants on the corner oh uh, yeah I did not do that <laughs> no no I mean the the harassment I I get it has made me a stronger performer as a musician. Like people can be yelling and talking and having conversations with me, and I can be playing guitar yeah. and singing the song and not miss a beat because sure. I've gotten so used to the doing that. Yeah, you know, and uh, so 
It's incredible. I can relate to that. My focus level on just enjoying myself in the moment. Yeah. From busking, from playing busking to bars yeah. where yeah. everyone's got their back turned to you. Yeah. Um, you just have to sit there with yourself and be like, I think I'm awesome. I am enjoying me right yes. now. So yes. everyone uh-huh. else can continue missing out on this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it really is. The, I mean, now the things that distract me are someone actually being interested. <laughs> if I'm like playing a song and someone's that's like, "That's a good oh, point," hey, and they're, they're <laughs> they like get a face on on like that's good. Like I'm like, really, you're actually like believing I'm a person. Then and you're starting to like really impress them, <laughs> and then you might fuck up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's <laughs> the distraction at this point. If people are throwing shit at me while I'm playing guitar, I've had that, you know, that doesn't even distract me. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's the people who are like nice and want to listen to my music. That or they I'm pull like, the phone out, you get the red light fright because you're like, wow, you think I'm that good that you want to use up your phone space to record me? All right. Oh, I missed the high note. <laughs> See, actually, the phone doesn't distract me because really? most of the time, the people who are doing it to me here are harassing me. Oh, so you're like, oh, let me put on a show for yes, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, hi, look, here he is, people. Look at him playing guitar. Oh, he's so, gosh, he's garbage. Get him out of here. You yeah. know, they're, they're, they're filming me with their phone like that. So I'm just like, da-da-da, yes, yes. Aren't I awesome? You know, not missing a beat because I'm so used to it. I don't think that um, they're doing it because they genuinely hate you. They don't know you, right? Oh, yes. Yep. They're yeah. just no, they're, yeah, no, 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 yeah. They're they're doing this what because I am, I guess. What what you are Represent. brings down the value of their community. Yeah, yeah, that's actually what they think. They think my structure is like devaluing the price of their home, which is ridiculous because what was here before I was here. Right. People who were collecting garbage and needles and and now look at it. It's it's like a nice street to walk down right other other than i thought in, it was cool when, other I, when than, I walked up to it other than when in their eyes my structure is not nice right yeah, right, it's right an eyesore I, if if you don't see it as an art museum yeah, yeah. it's an eyesore and under construction or whatever yeah. yeah 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 that's that it's like don't you understand what a building looks like before it's finished look at that million dollar <laughs> home over there that's covered in black tar paper and scaffolding yeah that's that's what this is right and i mean i where i'm renting there's construction on the street right outside my door six days of the week and jackhammers going off and that's it, what these people don't realize it's if not they start pretty to look at that low income thing behind them that's going to devalue their property right because <laughs> no one wants to live to live next to jackhammers and dump trucks for the next two years you know yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i don't know i mean that's that's another reason i'm like really drawn to your story mm-hmm. and i really want to because I, I feel like people don't look at the other side of the viewpoint very much at all anymore especially yeah and i i see both sides of it i see that people are concerned that something like this could devalue and and the the homeless crisis in general is devaluing their investments sure it is yeah i mean but the solutions that we are going after are kind of mindless and one-sided like for instance you were saying working yeah yeah they want to build uh 
a shelter here is what it's you were saying? It's not a shelter. They want a, a low-income apartment building or right. something. Well, on the, this piece of property, current construction costs, the fact that it's sitting on top of a pond and da-da-da, the soil engineering. It's They're probably going to be two million. Two, 200 million. 200 probably. million. Yeah, probably 200, 100 million, somewhere in there. I mean, that's what buildings of like across the street, that's what those are costing to build these days wow. right, in Los Angeles. So, and it's maybe going to house 200 low-income people. The taxpayers already have to uh, help pay the rent on those buildings. Yeah. Not, not only, I mean, well, how is, how is that helping, helping 200, spending $200 million to help 200 people is not a good use of money. Give those 200 people $5,000 and some basic tools like a hammer, a saw, a screw gun, screws and nails, and uh, a budget for lumber and basic materials. People live in yurts all over the world. That's kind of where my idea, even for the structure, was to do it like a yurt, which are they're comfortable, warm, they're healthy to live in because you're breathing fresh air all the time. You you know, I mean, this is how we should be living, especially by the beach. You know, I mean, with great weather all the time. You know, uh, instead of you know these homes that need giant air conditioning machines and all the maintenance (laughs) and the cement and da 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 they need to build a a a house that would be that that is not as comfortable as this one would be if even if I spent 5,000 total on it right I mean I could have nice shag carpet in this thing and I will you know eventually I'll have chandeliers I'll have a movie theater with surround sound and a swimming pool inside this structure. <laughs> yeah. And I can do it for that cheap if you just know which materials to use and how to do them and not go to Home Depot and do it how they tell you to do it. I mean, right. people a hundred years ago, they did kind of think that way. You know, they made stuff from nothing. They made their homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you were a rural person in America, you went out in the woods and chopped some trees down and and put a wood stove in it and you found ways to generate electricity. Maybe you use steam, you know, to generate a little electricity, get a little thing spinning around, whatever, you know. And now we big businesses tried to make it so expensive just to put a roof over your head. Sure. I mean, it's like any major industry. I, I always have, I have this saying where anytime I'm like, I can't believe that exists. What an industry is uh-huh. what I say. Yeah. And the pharmaceutical industry, like everyone wants you to evolve by taking this thing that they've invented. Yeah. yeah. And this code that is now implemented. Yes. And, um, so I'm I'm not surprised by any of that, but no, yeah. um, I'm also very inspired by what you have here, and we're gonna the simplicity of yeah, it. Yeah, 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 and and also like I, I I can relate to the grind of having to use nothing but your hands and brain to. I've enjoyed it. I would, yeah. I mean, before I became homeless, yeah, maybe two months ago, I'd be like, gosh, my life would suck if I was in that position where I didn't even have electricity to use power tools to build a whole freaking house. I mean, what, what, that sounds awful. The and, things, yeah, the things you and appreciate. there's going to be, there's going to be like 
it's going to be a tree house with mice that will get in it. Ah, oh, this sounds terrible. Now, now it's like, mm, I don't mind. I'll, I'll try to find ways to keep them out. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Um, you just get used to living an outdoor life, but you can make outdoor life like, like you are a movie star who went to some remote island and is <laughs> staying in a tree house for <laughs> to, 20 grand a night. To decompress. Or yeah, to exactly. Decompress. <laughs> Why not just decompress here in America, people? Yeah, <laughs> decompress here in America. Go in your backyard. For free. Go in your backyard and build a tree house like I have here. You will be happier and healthier and more comfortable and then tear down the house in your front yard that's in front of you in, in, in the house in, in your front yard and turn it all into the yard and, yeah. and garden and don't buy food at the grocery store. It's easy to grow a lot of food for yeah, yourself yeah. Uh, if you have the land and, and the know-how and you can do these things. I've figured out how to do a lot of them not from YouTube because I haven't had access to YouTube. I was going to say, yeah. It's trial and error. I made, <laughs> I made an oven. Yeah. And it worked. And the only reason it doesn't work is because freaking quickcrete is sabotaged. <laughs> Who ever thought that concrete would burn, right? right? But they put fillers in it and they smolder if when it's exposed to too much, too much fire. So uh, now I have to cook with scented candles for now until yeah. I tear this out and make like a gas I'm gonna put a gas like oven in there or something make one myself it's easy you know it's all you have to do what's a barbecue like why not make a cool looking barbecue that's like glass or you know that you know so I'm I've got ideas like that yeah and I guess the the most enticing part to me and some of the skaters going by like when I rolled up it was like I was like, this is the most punk rock thing I've ever seen. Coming from a punk rock background musically, yeah. this this was it. This was like the like why why didn't anyone else think of this this year yeah, to just yeah. just throw up a treehouse and live in it? I, I stayed in an Airbnb in LA one time to go see a concert. That was literally a treehouse, and I thought you know it was it was awesome. Uh, and I was thinking that of this guy's. I'm like. Do you realize you could rent this place out as an Airbnb? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That, that actually, that reminds me. This um, I don't know if you ever ever been to Slab City out in the desert. No, I haven't. So Slab City is this off the grid town that that um, kind of changes size as the weather changes, but it's it's like out in uh, Imperial Valley, east of the Salton Sea, and it's totally off the grid. Um, you know, people just arrive there and, and it's a free fall. It's kind of like a Mad Max town. Okay. And, um, there's guys there that have built their own places like Sean has, and they do rent them out as Airbnbs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. This was written as a song, but at the time I didn't play a musical instrument. Um, and I, I wrote a few back in, uh, 2006, I guess it would be, um, and part of the lyrics got put into a painting I did way back then. Um, a friend of mine um, uh, put them on a blog that was frequented by music insiders, I guess. And it got picked up by the band The National, this song. And they changed the lyrics a little bit, uh, which they were allowed to do. I gave them permission to do. Um, and um, they called it Sorrow and it's on their album, High Violet. 
but my version is called I Ain't Ever Getting Over You. And it's got a different meaning behind it. Well, sorrows found me when I was young. And sorrows they waited and thought they'd won. Sorrows, they put me on some pills It's in my honey, it's in my milk Don't leave my half a heart alone Don't leave my half a heart alone I'm underwater, please cover me in your radiant love and share with me all of your ecstasy. Cause I don't wanna get over. Sorrows they found me when I was young 
Terrell, uh, by the way, I'm uh, my stage name is Hot Rod. As 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 of this moment, maybe someone else has that, and maybe it's too common of a search word on Google, and no one will ever be able to find me, and I'll change it to something like Hot Rod Number Five. <laughs> I don't know. We'll look into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. I'm just always trying to come up with some new way to make my life more comfortable and still good with nature you know not yeah, wasteful yeah. destructive you know yeah you use far less water than oh pff, anyone how I many know. how many gallons do i use total a month uh probably 30 you know that's drinking and yeah. cleaning and cooking and washing dishes and sometimes laundry you know mm-hmm. and i get that all from a drinking fountain yeah that's great well i'm excited to see where this place ends up because i and i really hope that uh they allow you to do your thing because i view this as a place that could be something that you know people look back on as look at what this person was able to create with just their hands and mind during a pandemic during a pandemic especially i think that's why yeah. you've been able to get away with this for so long but i hope people i hope the i i don't think that's what it is yeah you, th- you think you've been able to do this two years ago just I, fine i think uh i think if the property would have been in the state it was yeah. empty and i started building a structure uh and they maybe they would have stepped in and said from the beginning from the beginning but they could have done that I mean the city was here there would be a garbage man saying I can't believe they're letting you do that uh, yeah, yeah. and I was like yeah they won't you know they know I'm here does they he pick c- up your garbage no no oh. they, they, they won't come to me but I, I can call like 311 and they'll come pick up stuff but uh, I just I just walk it down the street and put it in a dumpster I how don't, do you get mail uh, right now I have a mailbox on my structure the yeah. post office is not cooperating. I have acquired an address for this spot. It's on my driver's license. It is a legitimate 
uh, uh, address, but there's it's an old address from probably a building 20 years ago. So Google's not recognizing it, and or they say it's a little bit different he, than it is at the post what the city has or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's the city has it as a Venice address. Yep. But Google says it's a Marina del Rey address. Okay. So now Google is God, though. So <laughs> if if Google says it, well, then none of our government, uh, um, uh, uh, right. Uh, program not programs uh, offices or whatever well they use Google they don't use what the Department of Licensing has right which they don't go to that they go to what Google says and so that makes it so I can't get packages delivered or whatever you know mm-hmm. because that's how it is and so the post office uh, no they're not cooperating they're not delivering my mail even though I have a mailbox and a valid address they don't want to do that because well, you know, I'm a squatter and that's, we can't give them that. That makes them even more, you know, undefeatable in the court of law. Right. right. So that's, that's the way they're approaching it. They're, they're going to ignore me. They, the way they dealt with it was, okay, he's built a structure. Let's just treat him like he's a person in a tent, which yeah. a person in a tent, they can shoo away, you know, because you're just a tent. But a person who's built a structure on a vacant piece of property and says they're a squatter, well, then there's, there's, that's a problem. You know, that's not the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They decided to deal with it by just, let's just pretend he's a tent. And that's why the news, when they said, when they said, when they videoed my structure without asking, what did they call it? A hut. Right. Not a three-story treehouse, a hut. Something they can just tear down and blah 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 and no one will ever think of it but it's not that simple you need a wrecking ball to tear this down now right I yeah mean, it's three <laughs> stories it's basically a house you can't just walk up to it with a hammer and start pulling things apart it's uh, it, this is a serious structure here you know <laughs> yeah yeah it almost costs them more to get a wrecking, wrecking ball well here than it would no be because alone. I'm a squatter uh, on a very valuable piece of property. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask that. So, how big is this land that you're technically on? Uh, well, that that would be argued over in court. They would say, "Oh no, well, someone owns a tiny piece of this over here," or, okay. uh, "Well, we were thinking of putting a sidewalk here, so maybe it's not zoned separate, but it is separate." So they would want to argue all over that and say, "He's just a squatter in this little section here." Yeah. But I've been maintaining the other side of the fence. I am plan to put a balcony out there, which if I don't know if you can see, but there I've got some. Uh, I've started doing that, anyways. Yeah. But uh, so, and I plan on putting a fence around it and putting garden in there. You know, a half a mile from the beach, right in Venice, like high real estate. Across the street off. from the Ritz Carlton, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And like, you know, some of the, there, as soon as I rolled up, this skater rolled by and he was like, dude, this place is awesome. And I was just like, man, the, the, the kind of juxtaposition he's getting from his neighbors is so interesting because you have this world of like, you know, it's a free country, do what you want. No one can tell, you no squatters rights. Um, and this is punk rock. This guy is, is living the most minimalist lifestyle you can live, but also 
kind of building a, an empire. And then the <laughs> other side, that's like, we want you gone. You have no right to be here. You're an eyesore is what his, uh, his building, his treehouse was looked at. And then the news came by, I don't know if he told you how, about his news story. Uh-huh. They came by because there was a neighbor trying to get rid of him and the police couldn't really do anything about it. Although he believes that someone sent three thugs to break in and beat him up. That he told me, yeah. Yeah, so uh, eventually the news came by and did a story on the treehouse interviewing the neighbor that wanted him gone. And the neighbor was going on about how he has no right to be there and he's only getting away with it because of COVID and blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the news story, they say that Sean uh, was asked to to do an interview and he neglected, which is not the case. He would have loved to explain his story and what he was doing and how this was an art gallery and what he planned to do with the vacant property. Um, But they never asked him for an interview. They just wanted they had their mind made up of what story they wanted going in. Right. Yeah. This is uh, Features Breathtaking Partial View of the Blue is the title of this. This room, I mean, I didn't have holes in the floor or this, uh, this or holes there, but I had these big um, picture windows in this apartment I was living in, living in, uh, in Mount Vernon before I decided to move to Nashville and pursue, pursue music. Uh, and it was just, it was run down, but I, I liked the architecture of the building because it was, you know, one of those 60s, 50s apartments. And it was very large. And these windows were literally like seven feet each. Yeah. So, I mean, this was a huge picture windows, but I, I you know, I, what, what was I looking at? A parking lot and, <laughs> and not much. But so it, I was kind of like, I'll use... I went through kind of a little bit of a period where I was naming some of my paintings almost like real estate advertisements. And then this one is Not Without the Sunflowers. Not Without the Sunflowers is, um, it's kind of about subconscious, the subconscious. Uh, that's kind of what the, it, if it looks, the top, this part, the yellow with the structures, it's almost like that's the ground and that's behind it or and that's kind of uh what that painting is about um and the subconscious these sunflowers are uh they're the things i love my children um and and that's not without the sunflowers it's just like i'm just going for it you know as an artist i'm going for it not without the sunflowers i'm not i'm not I'm not going to stop being an artist. Artist, I'm just going to be an artist and go for my sunflowers. <laughs> this is really the first painting I really did on canvas that was not completely just abstract and swirly and that kind of thing. And uh, so I did it 15 years ago, or actually more than that, I think 16 plus years ago, but I did not complete it. It was similar to this, but I added the texture and altered the colors of what it was 15 years ago. It's called a change of address, and interestingly enough, I, I uh, 
I painted it when I was in Los Angeles. My parents, uh, my mother and stepfather, lived in Los Angeles with me. And at the time, they decided to move back to Washington State. And I decided to stay. And that's kind of in the painting, is they're kind of leaving out of the picture, and I'm driving off into the sunset. How did you find out that this land was just, like, not occupied? How'd you, how'd you even end up here, exactly here? Well, uh, when I became homeless, in I, I'd been in Los Angeles a month and a month. A month. Or maybe a little more than a month. A month and a half. Okay. Uh, and then uh, <clears throat> I just was like, well, I'm going to become homeless. I wasn't completely, like, out of money. I was just like, I'm not going to be able to rent anything. Uh, I have money. I'm just going to get prepared to be as comfortable as possible. So I bought basic necessities, a tent and sleeping bag, ways to cook, da, 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 basic stuff. And I drove all over Los Angeles looking for a place not surrounded by creepers, mm-hmm. <laughs> something kind of away from the beaten path where I thought where I wouldn't be hassled and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and where I could be comfortable, not under an un- underpass, overpass or whatever. Sure. Or in the L.A. River Basin, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I wanted something decent. So I drove all over. There was a couple places in Santa Monica I thought about, you know, settling. But I wouldn't have been able to do this. Yeah. So I guess it was just close to the beach and I wanted to be close to the beach. And I just ended up in this neighborhood. And I didn't really notice this right away because I actually just... There was parking that wouldn't be harassed, so I just parked up the street and was sleeping in my car. Um, And then I kind of drove down here and discovered this place. And there were some other homeless people in tents, but it was not like what you see other places where there's... I mean, some of them were kind of garbagey. Well, some of them were pretty garbagey, but some of the people were kind of more put together and kept their places spots clean er I would say yeah. obviously hard drug users still but not just like passed out all day you know that kind of thing not as troubled so I just parked my stuff here pitched my tent and at that time I didn't even realize it was I didn't even think of squatting I wasn't looking for a, to be a squatter I was probably here three weeks and I even though I was here, I was getting harassed even in a tent. Even though I was uh, one of a number of people, I was kind of the target right away anyways for some reason. I mean, I was just in my tent here maybe a week or so, and some guy just got out of his car and threw urine on my stuff. I mean, just for no reason. I mean, there's six other spots where people had tents, but he just got out and threw it on my stuff. So weird. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, so, um, but after being here about three weeks, I, I kind of looked around and I was like, wait, this is a vacant piece of property here. And I, and I, I spoke with some people in the neighborhood and they told me a little bit of the history of it. And I was like, okay, I could become a squatter here. There's just tents. There's no other structures on this whole thing. And I'd be like, and then I started to realize holy shit, that's like winning a lottery ticket. If I win this, that piece of property is probably worth like $50 million. I don't know. It's like a, it's more than a city block big. 
you know? Right. <laughs> wow. So, you know, I mean, if I, yeah, but you know, <laughs> what do I have to do in order to acquire that squatter's rights? I have to improve the value of this property. Oh, okay. And that's what part of the structure was in my mind was improving the value of this property, not just throwing up a, a hut, you know, this, I intend this to look amazing, like magazine cover amazing, you yeah, know, yeah, when it's yeah. all done. It's, it's under construction. I mean, the drop cloth here with paint just splattered all over it, you know, that's just temporary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, but I do intend it to be like a yurt, this canvas outer shell, because those can be very, they're, they're incredibly strong. You can't just cut through them, yeah. you know, uh, they're not flammable. And they're just so much more environmentally friendly and all these things. So, I mean, I wanted to improve the value, but I also needed to have a business here, you know, because I'm not, it's not just for a living. It's zoned for both things. So I've had several ideas for a business. One was, you know, an art a gallery where you know I would ask other artists to s- display their art in my structure. Right. And so for a little while that was my business plan for this piece of property. And then I kind of realized with all the harassment there's an incredible amount of responsibility as an art gallery to be able to secure that art. Sure. It's one thing if it's my art and someone breaks in and yeah. destroys it. Okay, that sucks. But if it's someone else, that person may want to sue you. Sure, uh, you sure. know, I mean, there are all kinds of things like that. So that kind of faded away. It's just my art studio where I create art. and But I do... My business plan now is an outdoor movie theater, you know, to get things rolling. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just to have people, you know, I have my movie projector, stream Disney Plus, you know, sure. you know, pay 30 bucks or whatever to view the newest movie. And hey, yeah, th- give me a donate a little bit. You know, that's how I'll pay the property taxes. You know, if yeah. I can, if I can, my projector goes up to 35 feet wide. That's as big as any movie theater. Right. Yeah, or even uh, concerts. <laughs> yeah, oh well, yeah, and concerts. It's a huge piece land. of property. I mean, that was just some. The movie theater itself, I plan on kind of attaching to this structure. Gotcha. And so people would be on the down, kind of on the other side of the fence there, which I would cut through and get rid of. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they'd sit down below. They'd kind of enter through the downstairs area, which will eventually not really be where my stuff is. It's kind of, that's I plan to be. You'll make this kind of your lot. This will downstairs be. will be the more the gallery walkthrough. Yeah, yeah. That would be like where people walk through to go watch the movie, you Sweet. know. Yeah. And so they'd donate a little money and we'd watch some movie and I'd sit up here and munch on my own food and people could maybe, I don't know, they could bring little camping stoves. They'd be outdoors. Yeah, dude, sky's yeah. the limit, man. Yeah, like, I mean, and I could do it very affordably, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of my business plan as far as generating income for myself right. until things open up and I can make money playing music. Not only that, you can still sell these art pieces if you wanted to. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I sold one a couple of weeks ago nice. at, at, and I was glad I was able to sell it because I thought I would never be able to sell it after someone vandalized it. Right. So. Dang. Yeah. Well, I still think you should open, you should start like a Patreon I told oh, you about that before we started. Yes. I'm, I'm going to need some help about this stuff because I'm actually not very computer savvy at all. I, I do I mean, too. I, I need to start one and I don't even know where to begin, but yeah. um, I'm sure 
I'm sure there'd be people willing to help you on that too and uh, get it going for you. Yes. Um, as well as things like GoFundMe if you wanted to like, you know, get a big projection screen or something. Yes. I mean, that's what I do want it to be. I don't want it to be a business. I want it to be like a park that yeah, I yeah. kind of maintain as, right. as the tenant of it because that's what I've acquired, the tenant, tenancy rights to this property. I don't own it. I'm just the tenant, like a renter. Yeah. But I, in some ways, I have more rights than a renter if, if the city will recognize <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. If the city <laughs> will funny. recognize them, I do have more rights. I mean, they can't kick me out in the street. Less needs to be to code yes. when you're going off your squatter's rights. Yeah, that's right. I mean, eventually, <laughs> this building will have to meet building codes. Sure. But different because it's a treehouse, right? It's not, I won't need a concrete foundation and yeah. all that kind of other stuff. I'll, I'll have an engineer come out here and he'll test the strength of the trees or whatever and how much the building shakes when they do this or that and, yeah. you know, and that'll be it. That's the benefit of a treehouse. That's my electric. This is my acoustic. That's what I write my songs on. Is that a Gretsch? Uh, this is a Gretsch, yes. I like the back of this one. I think this is really cool. The Sean Terrell channel. This is the only piece that I've completed uh, since I've become homeless other than the large one on the front of the building and my mailbox, I guess, is, is a piece of art. But sure. it's, is this kind of like a mixed media piece? Yeah. And uh, it's kind of about my situation. Rotten tomatoes or canned compliments? <laughs> Choose your own adventure. I chose neither. So, uh, you know, rotten tomatoes are people just like, yeah, you shouldn't be an artist, da-da-da-da. Or canned compliments are people who are maybe, who are the same people, but they don't want to admit it. So they give you these canned compliments that are insincere, like, oh, maybe you should put that in a coffee shop or blah, 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 blah. You know, don't, don't, become a, don't pursue it as a career. But yeah, I would do that on your spare time. You know, those kind of canned compliments. So I chose neither. I, I went for it as an artist. And then this is the story of my first teacher. Uh, thankfully, I never listened to one goddamn thing. And that's about my mother. Um, my first teacher, um, and uh, you know, that I'm not an artist. I'm an artist now. When I'm when I began my career as an artist when I was 41, you know, why is that? Because I, you know, I had a mother who never believed, never wanted me to do accomplish anything. It's very dirty. I need to clean it, but it's called uh, "This Is Why," and it's. It, it, it was about my divorce. The red and the white is kind of like stop, and mm -hmm. I kind of know this was me. That was kind of her, you know. Uh, but uh, so that that was uh, one of my very first paintings when I started again. This one is called "I Loved Lucy," uh, and. What I mean by Lucy, I mean like Lucifer, my wife. She was uh, <laughs> she was awful. <laughs> so uh, so that's what that one is about. Um, actually, you know, she, I fell in love with her because she was good at times. She did many good things, but she also was incredibly manipulative and and also 
the canned compliment thing, like, oh, maybe uh, don't really mm-hmm. do art, you know. And, and I had those paintings that I'd done 15 years ago. She would not hang them on the, our walls in her home. They were in a closet. That's I got out of that situation. And uh, sadly, she made it so I can't even see the kids. I, I got, like, this uh, settlement where I get treated worse than, like, a person who committed murder, even though I was a stay-at-home dad and I volunteer in their classes and I'm not a criminal and my children want to live with me. So that's what that painting's about. This one is called Back to the Future Like Never Before. And uh, it is about how I have traumatic stress disorder, but, um, and maybe people would want to look that up, what that is, traumatic stress disorder disorder rather than post-traumatic stress disorder. So this was about how I was kind of remembering things like back to the future, like never before. Like I'm in this new place where I remember my mother doing these awful things to me where those things got shut out and I would hang out and drink tea with my mom. Like she was a great mom. Uh, that's what that disorder does. But Mm -hmm. so that's what that kind of painting is about. Oh, if you want to show my TV, did you get video? Yeah, let's get that. Yeah. Piece of furniture that I made. Ooh, that are pieces of art, but they're covered with shit right now. (laughs) I got to get them upstairs. This is, uh... Let's see. I have these... my my, My art always has long titles. This one's titled is... Colorful, devoted allies with a singular purpose. And it is about my angels. I believe in angels, and I believe they've looked after me, and that's part of the reason why I am here and not dead when I was a kid or whatever. And my idea for it was, you know, this 60s TV with shag carpet kind of texture and bright colors, because they kind of did that back then in the 60s and 70s. If you look at these old vintage TVs, some of them are bright yellow and orange. It's like, we, all TVs now are just black, but, so they had interesting designs back then, so I wanted to incorporate that and the the screen itself, the painting, that is uh, a painting that I also started back in like 2005, you know, bought this, the rabbit ears and painted those. And <laughs> I had this displayed out front of the building, but someone, it had a, a remote from a 1960s TV, and they stole that. But it's on, on my website for my art, seanceaslotterrell.com. You can see that photographed. These were the first paintings I started painting with a knife rather than a paintbrush. Because okay. most of my art is done with a knife. This one is called... Prophecy of Confusion Damaged by A.K.A. Jealousy. And I painted this for my nephew, who was like uh, two and a half. But my brother-in-law was very jealous about it. And it really bothered him that I painted his son a painting, you know, and gave it to him. And so when it was hanging on his wall, he intentionally spilled coffee on it and then scrubbed uh, the top layer of paint off it. So you can see, you can see the gray through it and stuff um, in there. So it, 
but it, I view this as a prophetic painting in on a night that happened uh, where I where I just went out. Uh, it was Easter, and I left my phone. I unplugged. I went out to Bellingham, and I took communion at an Orthodox church, which I'm, I'm an Orthodox Christian. So I kind of like left home, left my phone unplugged, took communion, uh, just was kind of confused about things. And so that's that's what this painting is about, prophecy of confusion. It was like, I just did this painting in like, you know, 15 minutes real quick for my nephew. But here it is about this, at the, at the time I recognized it, I was like, wait, this is like, what I did last night. <laughs> That's what this painting is about. I, I believe that sometimes some artists, some painters, that they, when they paint from their subconscious, sometimes it's about something from the future and then they recognize it in their art. Yeah, like, music too, Lyr yeah. lyrically too. Yeah. yeah, so even though it's very simple, <clears throat> a very simple painting, uh, I, I, it's, I really like it because it, it means a lot to me that it survived, you know. It survived my brother-in-law intentionally spilling coffee on it and then scrubbing it. And then, you know, I took it back, you know, because yeah. if he's not going to let uh, my nephew have one of uh, my paintings, I, I have a really great family. <laughs> <laughs> so this, what I did with this, this was like... It's an 06 BMW, and it didn't have a cracked windshield. When this, I used to drive Uber with this car. People oh, okay. used to say, this is like the nicest Uber car I've ever been in, because it looked brand new. But I decided I'm going to turn this into, like, a camper vehicle. And so I tore out the interior, and I really wanted to strip it down and make it like a camper slash track vehicle, you know, lighten it so it would be faster and all that kind of stuff. But the paint job what I did is I sanded the original paint with by hand with like gritty sandpaper like 60 or something left a lot of the original paint on just really scratched it up and I painted it with craft uh, glue and then I applied plaster of Paris to it to get that thick texture on it and then it, it, it was like this original paint job this thing was it was awesome. It glowed in the dark, basically. and But I didn't have a way to seal it. And then it was, I ran out of money, and I wasn't really able to finish it. And so it sat out in the weather, and that's why I had to scrape it all off. Not all of it off, a lot of it off. And then now I'm painting it red and this green. And uh, yeah, so this is the painting that, unfortunately, I don't have a good picture of it myself even. But you can see this blue... That's where I've tried to keep it from peeling off even more, but yeah, th its title is uh, This Little Light of Mine, and uh, it's just about kind of my situation in this neighborhood where it's just what the neighborhood needed, more structures. There's always more trash cans, you know, uh, that's, and it's, it's kind of about the housing crisis a little bit, just keep slapping those dollar bills down, you know. Uh, so it has that little light there, which is this little light. Oh, of That's gotcha. Kind of me, off in the corner in this neighborhood. Uh, here I am. <laughs> uh, this is my mailbox, actually. This is the last kind of painting mixed media project I did. So, well, tomorrow I have to, I'll have to argue to keep it. <laughs>
Tomorrow is Wednesday, correct? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to move my car. It's kind of interesting, these signs that got put up temporary. Uh, they put those up in the middle of the night. Do you ever get a ticket for the two-hour? Uh, I have, but only after I lost my keys. Oh, uh, because you couldn't move it during move it, 8 a.m. So to 12? Do you have to move it every day then? No, they, uh, there's not really... They don't really come down here very often because what would be the point? There's nothing here. I got two tickets while it was here, but I'm sure I can contest it and prove that my keys were taken and I'm homeless, so... Well, all right, Sean. Thanks for having me at your wonderful home here. Thank you, thank you. Very impressive, dude. I, I hope it uh, inspires people to, if you find yourself running out of cash, think to yourself, I'm not going to sleep on the park bench. I'm going to make myself comfortable somewhere. I mean, you might not be as lucky as myself and find yourself a $50 million piece of property, but there are vacant... Uh, pro- there's vacant property all over this freaking nation. There's enough room for every person on the planet to live in the United States just this way. So, you know, don't panic if you're running out of money and you can't pay your bills. Start watching some YouTube videos on how to do a simple framing structure and put a roof over your head. Get a wind turbine if you can. I'm trying to acquire one of those, but they're unreasonably expensive despite the fact they're just a pinwheel with... Mm-hmm should be able to make one for like 50 cents but they're but they use the wind and, you know no one has to pay for so i was there tuesday and he said they're coming back tomorrow to kind of give me my final notice but i'm not going to let them in i'm going to talk to them through the door and i just kind of took it as this happens to him once a month because he had the place for almost a year, right? 10 months ago. Yeah. Yeah. When he told me that they were coming tomorrow, I was like, well, you know, it should, it's probably just going to be another slap on the wrist or warning. I didn't really know what to expect. And then I messaged him Wednesday, just asking how it went. And he said they had torn the place down and he was giving his art to Lana Del Rey. And I I was very confused. So I I wanted to get your input in uh, first person being there. So you went down there Wednesday morning when you found out, basically? Yeah, so what happened was um, I got back from my daily ride on Wednesday and I was just checking through my Facebook and there was a message. There was a post on, on Sean's story that I put up on my, on, on my page of, you know, with his photographs and, and, and his story. And there was a message from somebody saying they're tearing down his place as I type. So I just jumped in my car and um, I looked pretty close to them and went down and um, they were in the process of taking all the artwork off of the walls and storing it on the side. And then, you know, they, they tore, the, tore the place down over the next hour or so. Because I was legally allowed to the city giving me paperwork. Ten months ago, before I, even this was even close to this size, it said, stop building, we are possessing this property, we will not grant you squatters' rights. Did they do that? No. They let me build a two and a half story home, art gallery, and 
despite the fact that there's garbage there, a tent over there, they just came and harassed me. That's all they do. That's their way of dealing with uh, legal issues. Not legally, just by gangsterism. This is the footage and photos Alon captured the morning after I interviewed Sean. Nobody knows where the paintings are being stored. Sean texted me saying he handed the police a legal document stating that he is gifting the land and building and art to Lana Del Rey. Not sure what that's about. But Sean packed his bag and drove back up to Washington, taking only his guitar and the old phone Alon gave him, which is now inactive, so I haven't been able to reach him. I tried calling, texting, emailing, messaging him on his very bare Instagram page, but got no response. I mean, I thought he could get away with it a little longer, and I thought that he could uh, eventually turn it into something that could be petitioned to be sort of a a mark for um, homeless rights um, and art, and I thought it was just a a really creative endeavor and he had done it wisely. And he's also a pretty respectable dude. Like he wasn't really causing trouble. He was, he was actually just being innovative and, um, focusing on his art all day, which was inspiring to me. Um, but it's a shame that, you know, there is these laws and it, it's kind of a, I see the other side of it too, that like, the system is in place for a reason and it's not fair to all the other squatters and it's not fair to all the other landowners and renters. Um, but I really thought that he could push the boundary into making something that was, uh, a staple in that sort of 
art community, that art district of Venice, you know, like that's kind of what is it's all about. Well, who knows where he'll go next? Maybe he'll choose a more suitable location and make it happen there. I don't know. Yeah, well, he he told me that he's back in Washington now. So oh, I don't know if really? yeah, I don't know if he just beelined it back home to a family members or something. Because uh, when I spoke to him on Wednesday, uh, he said that he was going to be there that night with his in his tent on the same same land. Yeah, possibly. And uh, you mentioned that his art is being stored by the city in a storage unit. Um, something like that. Um, I can't remember who it was that told me on at the site, but they did say that, yeah, it was going to be stored. I read an article. There's an article about the whole thing in the Venice Current. Okay. Um, yeah, they might have said something in there about it too. I'm not sure. But yeah, my understanding was that they were going to put his stuff in storage and Sean's sort of, I told Sean this because I had just heard it when he arrived at the scene because he was he was gone for a few hours and then he came once the place was already down. And um, I said, I told him that his art was all sort of safely stored off at the site and that they were going to be storing it. And he was really skeptical about how they were going to store it. You know, that art has to be stored in a particular way and um, it's probably all going to get ruined. Yeah, that's good that you found that out um, because that's kind of the angle that I'm thinking of taking is maybe uh, he can sell some of that art still Yeah. somehow. I think, you know, once once he kind of comes to the realization that like those pieces um, are still worth saving and, and still special despite how they're being stored. Right, and uh, I've got a story now. I mean, there's a story that goes with that art. That art could could be valuable. There's some great stuff there. I mean, really cool stuff. Yeah, that's what I told him. I mean, even the recordings that I got of him playing those songs, uh, you could write the greatest song in the world and get it produced and mixed and mastered by all the pros. But if the story behind it is nowadays, what's more important than even the song is the story. So uh, especially with those art pieces, I agree. Like if... uh, if we get enough publicity around these things and uh, the fact that he was able to, you know, make them with, you know, nothing but knives and paint and a couple scrap pieces of wood from a local construction site. I think that that is uh, very valuable, even to the most avant-garde art fan who might have lots of money to throw at it, let alone the cause that it brings to continuing his art career, which also has kind of a story to it because he kind of stopped doing it for about 15 years when he was married. And then, you know, the, the chaos of life got him back into it, which is also very beautiful in itself. Right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe we could find a way to, um, get his art displayed and up for sale at a gallery or something. That would be amazing. Yeah. And, and expose the story a little more so that, Maybe Lana Del Rey, in his words, <laughs> wants to buy it all at a big ticket price and he can he could set up his own art gallery. He could continue that dream maybe in another location or maybe back in Venice or maybe in Washington or his original goal in Nashville uh, to start his music career. But right. yeah, I just I just love that he went for it and like 
there's organizations like Artists United and guys like us coming together to uh, try and, you know, show that art matters. You know, obviously there's a lot of uh, contradicting and, and controversial uh, ideas behind the homelessness crisis. But what this, my platform especially exposes is that like a life devoted to art is never a life wasted. And uh, he kind of had no choice but to opt into pursuing his art passions and creating his, his home in and itself was art. So yeah, uh, yeah hopefully we can put our minds together and uh, collectively help this artist out so that he can continue to create art art. Cause I'm also a fan of his art. I think it's really cool. Yeah. No, I'm totally on board for that. Well, yeah, I'm going to try and give him a call here now and, uh, <laughs> see what his plans are and see what we can do to get his, uh, his art up on display or maybe set up a Patreon or a GoFundMe for him, um, so that he can continue making, uh, decent living off of art that's kind of the goal for all artists yeah yeah thank you so much for your time alon sure man yeah keep me posted and um, let's see what we can do all right you made it thank you so much for checking out this entire episode i understand if it came off as a little political with the whole homeless crisis and squatters rights and all but, you know, meeting Sean and sitting down and talking with him in his place, it really reminded me that every squatter in a tent on a bridge has a story. We're all human, nobody is perfect, and every individual has different values and priorities, which should totally be respected. Sean had recently hit rock bottom. His wife divorced him and took the kids, so he moved into a small apartment in Mount Vernon, got a job at the local Walmart, which he hated, learned guitar, and picked back up his passion for painting after 15 years of life telling him that he couldn't. From what I gather, he created his own website, got his work in some small art shows in 2019, and eventually saved up enough to move to Nashville. That in itself is an awesome story of pain, artistry, and going for it. Then in 2020, I'm sure you're all sick of hearing about it, the pandemic hit and shut everything down. So Sean drives to LA, sells some of his music equipment, and finds a spot to build a small art studio to live out of. He builds a three-story treehouse in front of a $50 million vacant property to squat and continue to sell more paintings. The neighbors harassed him every day, treated him like trash, and eventually the city came and tore down his structure on April 21st, 2021. I don't know where Sean is now or how to get a hold of him, but if you'd like to try to support him by buying a painting or something, you can try emailing him at seantyrr1977 at gmail.com. Also, please check out Artists United to End Homelessness by visiting auEH.org and check out the Artists Statement on Ending Homelessness. If you agree with the statement, please go ahead and sign it. And while you're on the site, browse around a little bit, check out their message, and check out the 14 Steps to Ending Homelessness. Thank you again so much for checking out this entire podcast episode, and I'll see you next week for another episode of State of My Art Podcast.